Welcome to episode 115 of TerraVision Horror Podcast. Christmas time special. Christmas. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Dan McGuinness, and joining me on the Midnight Meat Train is my co-host, Jennifer the Dream Warrior Strand. This is our spoiler cast episode where we each fortnight, Jennifer and I set ourselves a horror movie to watch and then we go through it and nitpick every scene and spoil the fuck out of it for you and me and everyone else that's listening to this. Um, it's a deep dive into glorious gore, hard edits, cheesy acting, directing madness, severed wangs and compound fractures, and tinsel. Tinsel. And other Christmas things. Gingerbread man. Gingerbread man. Holly. Holly. Holly's. I used to love Holly, the idea I, of it, the concept. The concept. I could eat a gingerbread man. Mm, um, together we are two people with a love of horror and feel the burn of our obsolete blockbuster memberships. Um, we have a rating system, so at the end, you know, once we've, we've talked about the movie, you're like, was it good? You'll know, because you of these, these letters that Jen's about to say. <laughs> Alright, so we have A, awesome, everybody should watch. B is our beer and chicken wing group movie, where high fives thrive. F is a fun and dumb trash pile. C, a classic that's worth a watch. U is underrated. O, an overrated motherfucker. G, good for it its time but is not held up. We've got the J, Jen special, a D-grade movie only I would like. The D, Dan special, a movie with lots of practical effects, dismemberment, and of course, dicks. We've got the W, whatever, waste of my time. The Kesha, a low-budget hot mess. The C minus. Craft is stellar, but I hated the content. And of course, we have the McConaughey, which is the fucking fucked. We watched it. You don't have to. Which we haven't had in a while because we keep choosing movies we want to watch. Yeah. And we should, usually I, by the time, you know, if they come out in the 80s and people are still watching them, it probably doesn't mean they're a McConaughey. Like, yeah. no one's probably going to be doing uh, a horror podcast in 10 years' time and watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that tech, that that renowned Texas Chainsaw Massacre film where no one dies from a chainsaw. Exactly. Uh, this week we watched Black Christmas. Yes. From 1974 in celebration of the Christmas month. I love Christmas. You probably don't, Jen. I fucking hate Christmas. I fucking love it, man. I, I love eating. It. I love like... I do like the eating. I like the weather that comes with it. I don't like the weather. Fucking, yeah, weather, shorts and shit. No. Nah. I like tinsel and holly, which I've already gone over. Yeah. I like all that shit. I just like... Niceness. I like people helping each other. I assume that happens. Like, I work retail, so so do I. Own a retail. Yeah, but you're you're a, a lovely person. Oh. You're a nice person who enjoys people. I do not. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Cunt. Well, some people. I don't enjoy all people. All right. What is anyway? It? What's this? What about this film? Uh, so Black Christmas, nineteen seventy four, directed by Bob Clark. Who went on to direct my favourite Christmas movie of all time? Oh, I so think you got a favourite Christmas movie. I do have a favourite Christmas Fucking movie. Fucking hypocrite. I no. I watched this film when I was a kid. It just stuck with me. What, so what it's was it? a Christmas story. What one's from, that? I don't know that. Okay, so basically the concept is this little boy Ralphie, it's set in the nineteen fifties. All he wants for Christmas is a red rider BB gun. And he is like coming up with this plan. To sort of convince his parents, his teachers. This sounds and like that eight bit Christmas. It kind of is, uh, but this happened well and truly before. Before Neil Patrick Harris. That's right. Before Neil Patrick Harris come, came out of the closet as well. Yes. So he comes up with this like whole plan to sort of um like, you know, how he's gonna convince his parents, how he's gonna convince his teacher, and then he's like, Oh, I'll just go directly to Santa, so then he's gonna try and get to Santa. Also he can get this red rider BB gun. Nice. So this is a very stark contrast in Christmas movies for Bob Clark. 
A screenplay by Roy Moore, starring Olivia Hussey, John Saxon, and Margot Kidder. Now, Check that. Which one of them is the Superman lady? Uh, Margot Kidder. So she's like Lois Lane in the Superman yeah. films. The OG ones. The OG. She yeah. she had a crazy moment. She went. <laughs> Did she go mad in real life? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so the budget for this film was $620,000 and the box office return was $4.1 million. So this Winner. is what we consider a success. Successful film. This may be the first Christmas slasher. Yep, this is definitely, this is what we, well, A, it's a, definitely a Christmas horror, one of the first Christmas horrors, I reckon. Um, but B, this is what we consider to be a proto-slasher. Um, so, obviously, Halloween, 1978, really kicked off that slasher genre heading into the 80s, With and then Friday the 13th really just phew, drove This it. film, though, has a lot of tropes. Yes, it does. I didn't, while watching this film, I didn't realise that all the tropes that I knew that they talk about in, like, screaming shit mm-hmm. was from this film. Yeah. So this but this really... film still doesn't know its way yet. No. It's, it's like a, like you said, a proto. It's, it's like a beta yeah. slasher. Like it doesn't realize that there's going to be rules. That's right. And so... I loved And I, at first I hated that idea. But then when I looked it up, I was like, oh. Yeah. So it's this a... movie, um, a movie that uh, Peeping Tom and Alice Sweet Alice, these are all films from the 60s through the, the mid 70s that sort of had that whole idea without really. Peeping Tom. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, as I was saying, like, it's always harder to be the first person to do something. Hmm. It's like in skateboarding, it happens all the time. Like, you know, you get like uh, people like in the 90s were doing all this shit, and then suddenly Pat Duffy came out and he's like, I'm going to grind a round rail down the stairs. And they're like, How are you going to balance on a round rail, mate? Yeah. And he just did it, and I was like, What the fuck? And then, like, in the next week, you know, people do it. When Tony Hawk, no one had done a 900 for like 45, 50 years of skateboarding, he did it. And like, in two weeks after that, a kid did it. Yeah. So it's just like, it's always harder to be the first. So you have to give that fucking respect to them <laughs> fucking firsties, mate. And that's right. So we give this film a lot of respect. That's why, you know, we're Olympic people. I just don't give them any respect because, like, nah, heaps of people have done that before. You're just copying them. Yeah, you just... It's so like someone came out and did a better 900. I'd be like, I don't care. Like, because you weren't, you weren't Tony Hawk and you didn't you do the first. the first. Yep. You didn't do it in a competition. <laughs> Anyhow, this, what's its, uh, its, right. its tagline and its uh, synopsis via... Where do you get your synopsis from? I get all my synopsises from Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yep. Are they official? Is there an official synopsis place? Um, I'm like, I'm guessing you could, I mean, you could try IMDb. I wouldn't really consider because their synopsis is terrible. I know. I love um, them. They, they, yeah. Do you know what? I, in the next episode, uh, we, we're talking about other things, and I often get the synopsis of the film just to say, and I like the IMDb ones, and every time I copy and paste it in into the thing and read it out, there's spelling errors in them. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, who, yeah. no one checks the Because I feel that it's like Wikipedia a little bit. Like, if you have access, like, if you to pay a keyboard, money, like, you can probably update this information. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. Anyhow, what? Um, yeah. If this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. <laughs> That's such a Christmas... No, it's not. No, it's not. Also, <laughs> no one's skin comes off in this already. Like, that's no. just like, here's a cool line. That's Well, that's exactly right. It's like, make a tagline for this film, Black Christmas. What's it about? We haven't made it yet. Yeah. Yes. That's, just, just do it. But, like, we'll just come up with movie tags and then make the ta- the movie around the movie tag. Or just that's random, me just a, a roulette wheel. Yeah. That's <laughs> how they choose um, a sorority house is terrorized by a stranger who makes frightening phone calls and then murders the sorority sisters during Christmas break. 
that are all still at the sorority house in yeah. Christmas break. Yeah. So a lot of them have sorry. gone home. I can't say that word, eh? So- I'm going to fuck that up. Sorority. Sorority. <laughs> sorority. I just call it frat. That's a man house, isn't it? Yeah, I had to think about that for a minute. I'm Did like, you what? write down what the actual place was called? Because they mentioned, you know how they have those, the Greek symbols for like, yep. you know, Alpha, Beta, Omega or whatever it's called. Did you, they said it in this, what the house was called at one stage. And I yeah. thought, I should write that down, but I didn't. Anyhow, let's go. There's pie in there. Something pie. I don't think I had pie. Pi, Theta, Kappa, Beta, Megatron. Yep. Something. Megatron. Yep. Anyhow, uh, the movie starts. It opens to a house, decked down Christmas lights, you know. It's a wide shot. We got silent night music playing over the top. And you just basically, they just play all the credits over that. Yep. This is a, a, a shot of a house, you know. Um, we see a lady walk walk walks into the house. We don't know what this house is. We do now. It's a sorority house. Heck but, yeah. my God, this house was beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, is this what they were really like in the 70s, the sorority houses? Like, like all wood, fucking western red cedar, teak. Like fucking stairs going up, so Orange, setting the scene. shag carpet. Like you know, it just it looks like a you know one of those uh, gentleman clubs. Yeah, that, it does. where there'd be a man in the corner in a leather suit dr- drinking brandy in front of a fire, <laughs> scheming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, reading so, the 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 Wall Street. There's journal. like dark green, in, you know, like that kind mm. of forest green they used in heaps of shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, wall it's very paper. pretty. It's beautiful. Now you got the idea. Yeah. Um, so we get this POV shot um, of a, a someone heavy, walking. Heavy breather. Yeah, we get <sighs> walking up to the house, moving over to the window, and then sort of looking up to the second floor. Uh, we cut back into the house, and Margot Kidder, who I refer to, I think, only as Margot Kidder until I learn I'm, her name. Barb. Barb. But, uh, I looked everyone's name up. They have great names. Barb. 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 Um, she comes down the stairs, um, asking, you know, who's left the door open? Cause apparently the door's dicky. I don't know. And then we cut right back to the POV shot of this heavy breather outside climbing the trellis. So at this point in the film, I didn't know this was a sorority house. Mm-hmm. I, I saw those like symbols on the door and I was like, hang on, is that a frat house? I thought straight away. I was super confused. Cause then I was like. All the people in this movie are so old like, for being in college. And I was looking at them and going, this, this is like a swingers night now. Mm. Like they were, you know, all the dudes have like big buffy hair and moustaches and big collars. And I was like, and there's dudes and girls there that are all having drinks and they're pounding boots. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, so is, is this a... Is this a frat house? Like, I, it, it was very confusing up until a certain point, I'm just going to say here. Because I've written my notes. How old are these people? They don't look like kids. Or No. I mean, but people in the 70s look different to, tw- I guess, 20-year-old in the 70s versus 20-year-old today. Two very different looking things. Mm. Yeah, Barb's so. smashing the whiskey. She's oh, like yeah. bottle in hand. Barb is a fucking hussy. She's a she drunk. Is a, yeah. No, th- th- there's some real bad cliches in this film, eh? Oh, yeah. They, they, there's <laughs> but some, Barb like, is like a classic cliche that like oh she's a hussy because she drinks mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. it's that. anyway the phone rings there's a bunch of other girls there as well i think all of the guys gone now um no i think now the, some of them are still there they're starting to sort of like go home the phone rings yeah someone someone answers it yep <laughs> a, a real nondescript character lady that's right and it's it's for barb so barb gets on the phone it's her mum 
while this is happening, like Barb is basically getting told by her mom that she is not to come home for Christmas because she's got a new boyfriend and they're going out skiing or doing something and Barb's basically not invited. So she's having a bit of a sook about this. But while this is happening, we get the that POV shot back up in the attic. They've climbed through the, the window. A, I called him the killer because yeah. I was just like, what are you going to call this POV? That's So right. this is like, I thought the POV thing was really like created in Halloween mm. of like Michael Myers' POV. But this is, so straight away, probably hadn't really been done that much. The POV of the killer constantly. So this was done. Way in... to hide who it is and it's fucking genius. Yeah. So it was done in Peeping Tom and Maniac. Maniac? Yeah, did it really that, was, well as well. Was that before this though? I'm not. Peeping Tom was because Peeping Tom was the 60s, but I'm not sure about Maniac. Maniac yeah, right. might have been 80s. So that's a, a trope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see this person like going through the attic and then opening the cruel space door to the back into the sorority. Yeah. Um, Barb at this point is being scolded by her mother for being drunk and then she basically just like hangs up on her. Then Barb decides party's over. Mm-hmm. And She's she having ki- a sook. She kicks out whoever wrote for the whole film with hunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the hunky boys. Yeah. But like the boys are really secondary characters in this film. Yes. Like, later on, the Chris character is fucking hilarious. He makes no sense. No. He's so good. Anyway, we'll get to Chris later. Hunky Dirk boys. Squidward. Hunky boys pop, pout and they leave. Yep. Um, Bob basically invites all the girls in the room, like, oh, do you guys want to go skiing? And they're like... Oh, sure, Barb. Like, they kind of take pity on her because they see that she's a bit sad. Except for Claire. So, Claire basically is like, nah, I'm good. Like, peace out. Yeah. Well, Claire's tiny. Claire is tiny. Claire's the youngest. She's a bit of a good girl. Yeah. She's, uh, you know. Anyhow, the phone rings again. Now, the sorority house is full of babes, I Mm -hmm. wrote in my notes. It's like like five or six girls. Mm -hmm. And they're all quite pretty. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not, there's no, like... There's no middle ground here. They've just got no. all the babiness babes to be in this film. <laughs> and the phone rings and it's the Mona. Mm. Well, I've written in here the Morona <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> um, and like, so it's a prank caller. They are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. They've obviously, we, we're led to assume that they've been getting these prank calls for a while. Yeah. And uh, the prank call is fucking great. Oh, yeah. It basically sounds like Linda Blair's on the other end of the phone. Yeah, you get like two or three different like, voices. <laughs> yeah, and then and it's, it's like sh- shrieking. And, and it's then... throwing out the Linda Blair comments like, yeah. you fucking fucking cunt, you fucking cunt, and all oh this shit. Oh, my God, they say cunt so many times in this moment. Like, this... piggy cunt is the word that they piggy use. Piggy cunts, that's what they are. So this film is rated R. Yes. They're... I think this is the only reason why this is rated R. Yeah. Is like the, like the the swearing. 100%. Because I think they say it like 10, 12 times in this very, very short period Piggy of cunt. time. Like, it's a lot. Yeah. So Linda Blair's calling them. That's what I've written every <laughs> time. Uh, so if you don't know who Linda Blair is, it's the girl from The Exorcist, which you probably um, do know. Yes. Uh, yes and our, Barb lets him have it. Yeah. She's like, look, motherfuckers, fucking small dick mother. Because, you know, the only way to get back at a man is to insult his genitalia. It's true. Um, and then he, uh, the the killer, Linda Blair, finishes it off with, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And she's like, mm, that's worse <laughs> than piggy cunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, she basically just hangs up. Claire goes upstairs. No, um, no, but there's this line here and it's like, 
Uh, th- this line here, I thought, what the fuck? So Claire's worrying. She's like, oh, maybe we should be worried. You know, there was that girl that was raped earlier That's on right. campus. And then, like, fucking Barb just look, looks at it and goes, Claire, you can't rape a townie. I know. And I was like, oh, my God. As I, in, insinuating anyone from the city, you can't rape because they're all sluts. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck kind of thinking is that? Yeah. You can't rape a townie. <laughs> oh, God. I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Next television T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and then we get that, and so Claire goes, she doesn't like that idea. No, her and, and Barb don't like each other. It's very clear. They have a bit of a, like... Well, you got you got the fucking partier versus the prissier. Yeah, that's right. So, it's, you know, Claire gets a kind of a, like... Gets a snoot on. Yeah, she does. She gets a little snooty nose up, and she's like, I'm going to go pack. She heads upstairs. Jess, who is uh, the main character of this film, she is played by Olivia Hussey, and she... Has a she's, strange accent. In she's this British. She was British, but I thought for so long she was like Icelandic at one stage. She's like she got a very be. Bjork She's sound. She's very pretty. Yeah, she does have that Icelandic look. Well. She, anyway. she tries to sort of calm the situation and it just doesn't happen. So I didn't write that. Next we get the house mother returns. I love the house mother. Let it be known that she is my favourite character. The house mother is an older lady. She's short. She looks like an old lady from the 1974s. <laughs> she looks like... A lovable lady. Like, she looks like she owns a corner store <laughs> or a <Yeah>. butcher. <laughs> <laughs> and she is another blazing alcoholic. But this is like... This is like fucking beyond levels of alcoholism. Well, she's high-functioning and she's also in a position of responsibility. So you, you kind of got to not openly drink on the job. Yeah, so, so she hides it. And she just just drinks sherry. Who is she? Frasier? <laughs> uh anyhow, she has Christmas gifts for all the girls. We gotta we we're going too slow. We yeah. gotta we gotta move this on. Going on. Uh she has Christmas gifts for all the girls. Uh you know, that what's her name's gone up into her room, Jess, because she's not into the other drunk babes. Claire. Claire's Claire. gone up to her room. She's patting oh, yeah, she's patting the house cat. Yeah, fuck the house um, cat. Um and then she Which heads into the closet. Claude. Claude, Claude, Claude. Um, we we see the stalker in the cupboard, like as in he's in her cupboard. Yep, just sort of hiding behind the the dry cleaning. She, well, stuff. The, it's like since so nineteen seventy four, every dress is in one of those plastic covers. Yes, you know those like yep. the the uh, what do they call it? the dry cleaning plastic cover yep. slips or whatever. Anyhow, we see he's in there. She goes over there to have a look, and of course, stalker grabs a girl with uh, grabs Claire with the plastic covers of the yeah of the clothes Just, like yeah not the, not the not the most fun weapon no but it does the trick yeah it did does, in twin peaks does the trick <laughs> um he wraps it around her head and we cut back downstairs this um, is really weird because there's heaps of scenes where like oh like the girls like we're all going to bed and they all go to bed but they never do yeah the pacing for this film is not fantastic so all the girls go to bed but that doesn't stop all the characters from still being up for the next 10 minutes yeah so they've all gone to bed but all of a sudden now the house mother uh, she decides to stay up and she pounds some more sherry she has sherry hidden all through the house yep yeah, so she uh, right, in, she goes, in a bible yeah so she goes it's, i think it's a set of encyclopedias cuz oh, she's like the girls mm, will never be B for booze, and it's a hollowed-out book with sherry in it. Amazing. She, she chugs it down. Um, Jess comes into the room, so she, like, quickly gets it back in. Um, and then the phone rings again. And they're all like, oh, fuck, it could be, it could be the Mona. Yeah. They answer it. No, it's nope. Pete. It's Peter, Jess's shitty boyfriend. 
if she wants to have a chat and he's like, you know what, I've been up for days. I'm really not in the mood to talk to you. So, you know. I just wrote, Peter calls Jess. Peter says he'll see her tomorrow (laughs) in my notes, which is what he did. Uh, the house mother, yeah, she goes to the into the bathroom to get ready for bed. She's also got a bottle of sherry hidden in the the water part she's of the toilet. The, yeah, she's got toilet hooch. Toilet like, hooch. She has a bit of a gargle. She's a full blown alcoholic. I love it. Uh, before Jess, but it's Jones, supposed to be a, a comedy character, not yeah. like you know these days you wouldn't these really do a funny it's character it's a bit, that's a, yeah. got a massive drinking problem. No. <laughs> oh, look at their terrible life. <laughs> Uh, Jess goes to check on Claire, knocks on her door, but there is no answer. So they all sort of go off, presumably thinking that Claire's just having a sook. Oh, no, I thought that because they're all gone to bed. Yeah. But they hadn't gone. Oh, they're just gone to bed. Anyhow, we get a shot of Claire in a rocking chair, mm-hmm. which I thought was in her room, but it wasn't. No, it's up in the attic. Yeah, that is really not. like. I it- don't know how you're getting a girl who is now dead and basically dead weight out of a room, inconspicuously, and up a fucking ladder that is attached to the wall. Yeah, and into a tiny hole. Yes. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. She's up. I thought she was in her room. She's not. She's uh, she, So she's on a rocking chair in the attic, wrapped in plastic, a.k.a. like Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. She basically got Laura Palmered. She did. And she's on the cover of like the field. Like, the cover of this yeah. is her wrapped in plastic. Yeah. I didn't realize it until afterwards. We cut to the next day. Yeah. Uh, outside a church, there is a man waiting, uh, waiting around. He looks like just say it's Jess's dad. It's Jess's dad. Um, he gets snowballed by a couple of rowdy kids, um, and then he hey. asks a local, "Hey, do you happen to know my daughter? Because it's college campus. It's the seventies." And the joke, but you forgot to mention the boy with the best hair in the entire world. He stalks to this guy's like makes Noel Fielding look shameful. This, it's true. This kid's hair is so good, like. Uh, big, big hair, fringe bangs and shit. Yeah. Oh, he was wicked. And he's like, that's a sorority house. Go over there. And he's a, he's a no, he's a no character. Yep. He so should have been the main character. Yeah. It's pretty much two o'clock. He was meant to meet her at one. She hasn't rocked up. We cut to the sorority house. So. Uh, the house mother tells her dad that, uh, her dad's rocked up. Yeah. Where's my fucking daughter and all that shit. And it's this comedy scene of like the house mother trying to, the dad's like stuck up. And yeah, it's, it's he a comedy seems to be. It's like very religious, kind of like you know. Yeah, it's times and stuff, and like the, there's all these like you know pictures of naked people. Like there's a lot of like peace you know, and love and love. It. There's free a lot love. of you know booze and you know she's trying to hide the house mother's trying to hide the naughtiness of the girls and dad by like leaning on posters with their. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, not subtle at all. Yeah, and the house mother tells the dad that the girl is uh, that Jess is uh, Claire. Is probably doing some work at a different frat house. Yeah. That's what I got out of it. Dad, uh, and then, like, the dad gives the house mother a lift. Yeah, yeah. To the shops. So there's, like, yeah. There's some other scenes, but they're really not. Like, I think there's a scene where, she, like, you know, the house mother looks for Claude for a little while, the yeah. cat, and we see the cat, like, licking the corpse of Claire for yeah. some reason. Cat licking plastic. Doesn't happen often, but okay. No. Not at all. We cut to the conservatory. Uh, Jess and Peter have met up and she drops it that she is pregnant. She's bum, up bum, the duff. Bum. He is absolutely just, he's very happy about it, but she is just, nah. She doesn't want it. She wants to get an abortion. Yeah, but no, the, it, this line was out of nowhere. The abortion line was basically in the telling. Mm. <laughs> like she's like, I want an abortion. 
Peter says no. And I was like, oh, here we go. He does. He's like, but you didn't ask me. She's like, I don't have to ask you. Yeah, my, it's her choice, buddy. Yeah. I wrote in my notes. like Her body, her choice. He's basically just a dickhead. And yeah, I he's don't just like, like no. Nah. So Pete just tells her to fuck off, basically. Yeah. Fine, fuck off then. And and then tells her that she has to come see him tonight to talk about it. Mm-hmm. She has no choice. Just pulls a dick move. I just feel like... Okay, fuck off and you're going to come over and see me tonight and we're going to talk about this as in... You're not going to do what you want to do. And yeah. I was like, oh. Do you know what I'd do? I'd go and get it right then and there. So would I. I'd just fucking smash it out. Go smash booze <laughs> with Barb. Yep, that's right. Uh, well, that's funny you should say that because Barb is having some drinks at the frat house. Um, there's obviously some kind of like Christmas party happening there. Yeah, there's suddenly there's she's a dinner feeding, party. Did you see that she's giving this kid alcohol? She's literally like feeding this child alcohol. Yeah. So this is the frat house that the dad went to to find Claire. So Barb's there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she feeds booze to a child. <laughs> like this little child walks out. He's probably four. Yeah. And she like pours him champagne and feeds it into his mouth. And, fr- and it's supposed to show her that she's a fucking loose cannon. She does this in front of the dad. Yeah. Dad's like, dad don't like Barb. No, he doesn't like Barb at all. We cut back to the sorority house with Jess. Yep. And, um, phone rings. What? The phone, phone rings. rings. She answers. Gets a call from Linda Blair again. Yep. Billy! Billy! Where did you put Agnes, Billy? So we basically get this, like, character Billy and Agnes. Don't know what the fuck it means. Uh, is that what... That's why the... Yeah, right. See, yep. I... See, what was that? Was it a him... Was it the killer reacting, like, like recreating scenes? Because there's other voices in there. Yeah, there's several voices. Like, this but is this really good. Like, yeah, the, I don't know. The, 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 uh, the crank calls sound wicked. Yeah. But they don't make any sense of, no. like, what the... Of what the, uh, you know, the reveal is at the end of the film. Yeah. That means... No. Everyone's with him making the calls at these times. Yeah. There is later on where I, you know, I, I pretty much guessed halfway through the film that we could hear... When it goes crazy and weird and people are screaming, you can hear him doing the murder from before. Yeah. And so the timing of the film is really weird. Yes. But anyhow. Yep. So she gets Linda Blair calls, <laughs> calls Jess and it goes for a while. It's really weird. Then we cut to, um, what happens next? So I've lost myself. Barb, Phil and uh, Random girl. Claire's dad rock up to the cop shop. Um, they're basically going to sort of say like they need to... Oh, yeah, because everyone's kind of worked out now that Claire is missing. Yeah. Not that she's not around, that, like, she's missing. she's just Because at this point, I still thought Claire was in wrapped in plastic in her room. And I'm like, have they really not checked her room? <laughs> like, but anyhow, so they'll go to there under the police station. Yeah, so, um. But why is Bob's, Barb? Bob's fucking drunk in the cop why shop Why is she even well? there? I don't know. She And she's giving the cop shit. So he's asking for phone numbers and she's given, like, you know. Wackadoos. This cop, this cop what, is what house are you in? She's like, I'm in Fellatio House. Yeah. and Fellatio 19. And the cop is an idiot as well. So he's not. So this cop. Up on so this. the front desk cop in this film is a massive idiot. Barney like, Fife. He's just. He's a moron. He, he would never have a job as a policeman because he keeps the like, fuck no. it up and they keep. Well, that's why he's on the freaking. Anyway, we come back to the house mother. The house mother returns after. Doing some shit. We don't know what. She's like got some food or some shit. She comes back and um, and that's it. Yeah. And then we cut to some hunks. Some hunks playing indoor ice hockey. Yes. Well, because Mrs. Max explains that Jess's dad has come because 
uh, sorry, that Claire's dad has come because she never met up with him. So we've established now that all the girls are looking for Claire is missing. And Jess goes to hockey practice to talk to Claire's boyfriend, Chris. Chris, who's a hunky, hunky goalkeeper. Hunky Chris, big hair as well. So just imagine like a really young and mousier browner David Hasselhoff. (laughs) Yeah. I'd say so. Got big wavy hair, big seventies hair. He's, he's a good, he's a great character as well. He's, he makes no sense. Dirk Squadron. He's like the all American guy. All American hockey you know. player going out with little old Claire. And uh, so basically, we established that no one knows where she is, and the cops have not taken it seriously. Then we then we cut to Pete. He's playing at the uh, this conservatory. This Pete, is Peter's the shit boyfriend. Yeah. He wants an abortion. Doesn't he's, want an abortion. No, he he, he wants the baby. He's pro-life. Yeah. He's just pro He's at his piano recital because he is a obviously a high-performing pianist. P- he is a P. He's at his, had his recital. You know, there's like four people there, you know, four old dudes watching him. It's obviously an important moment. Mm-hmm. But he's too stressed out because a woman told him something that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. He's, yep. he's like, and he's like, he fucks up his recital. We hear, <laughs> <laughs> basically, he's like, he's hitting a donkey. He's yeah. fucked up. He's stressed out. They're expecting more from him. They shake their heads. No, no. Um, no I, I right here, he's stressed out because a woman is, is taking charge of her own body. <laughs> <laughs> he's stressed out. I could see how that would stress any man out. What? How dare they? So we cut back to the cop shop and there is a different mother. Oh my God, this was confusing. Who is, so she's talking to the same fucking Barney Fife cop saying, explaining that her daughter is also missing. She never rocked up home like after school. She was meant to go here. She was meant to go here. And the cop is basically like, okay, but what about this? And she's like, no, like she would not be missing for this many hours. At this point, I thought this lady was the mom of Claire. Because it fully, she's just like, I'm a mother and I've lost my daughter. And the whole first half of this film is they've lost Claire. Yeah. So I thought for the, so until very later on in the film that like the dad and that this mum were a couple mm-hmm. and it made no sense. Like no. this was a really bad, like, she should have said, I'm missing my 13 year old daughter who does not go to this campus. Why am I, I asking the campus, please? I think she place? mentions that at some point. I don't know. Does but she? she is talking... Sorry, she is not talking to Barney Fife. She is talking to John, John Saxton. Saxton. who has never, ever not played a cop. That's right. He's, you don't know who John Saxton is. He is fucking every he's cop. He's Nancy's dad. He's Nancy's dad in Nightmare on Elm Street. That guy. You know him. Yeah, we all know him. We love him. He's up. He's top tier with Tom Atkins. Yeah. Um. But at this point, Chris bursts into the cop shop and he starts Questioning, He starts making a scene and then John Saxon comes out. Wait, can we just mention that hunky Chris is also in a giant fur coat? Oh, yes. Like, real this fur, is, it would this be. Is it, oh, yeah, it would have been. Like, big brown fur coat, big hair, jaw, hunky Chris in oh. a fur coat. Makes no sense. Doesn't need to. Do you, do you think John Saxon, John Saxon uh, 1974 John Saxon gives off some Zac Efron vibes? Maybe. There's a, there's a bit of a... Similarity. It might be the piercing blue eyes. Maybe. I don't know. And uh, Hunky Chris d- demands to know where Chris Clare is. Like, I don't know how he's going to just. Anyway, uh, he's, he's, he's doesn't think the cops are doing their job. Yep. Um, so John Saxon takes over and. They join They join in the meeting yep. with the mum and, and that. And they, that's it. They, we just see them kind of go into the meeting and we assume the meeting kept going with Hunky Chris. Yep. And the random mother. Um, 
We cut back to the sorority house now. Yep. So Mrs. Mac, Mr. Harrison, and Barb are hanging having, out with Phil. Having dinner? Yeah, they're having dinner. Wait, mi- Barb's absolutely smashed talking about turtles fucking. And oh, she's also reading a girly mag. Yeah. And like, as in, to just, show that she's really loose. Yeah. She's just really, like, she's acting out because her mum is a miserable piece of shit as well. She's and jealous. Everyone's got ha- places to go to at Christmas. He's just and sitting there. Like, Phil is there. She's having a bit of a giggle about the situation. She tells, like, that big, long story, and it's, you know, yep. it's just to fuck with him, and the house mother's looking in disgust in the background, like, fuck, fucking shut up, Claire, you can't. But then, of course, every drunk person who is being a shit ends up going down the sad sack path, Uh-oh. and then she starts blaming sh- herself. She's like, well, you'll think that I fucking drove her off and that she's missing because of me. And then, of course, it's at this point that Phil steps in and says, just go lay down. Go have a sleep. Sleep it off, Barb. And then, yeah, she leaves. She goes upstairs and we cut to fucking Peter. Peter, who I wrote the wrong name in here. Yeah, Um, Peter, after his recital. It's clearly not gone well for him. No, he starts smashing the piano up with a big, like, uh, it's like a pole that you use for yeah. a fence, one of those things that, you know, you have a red ribbon around you. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a pole with a heavy end. They're fucking heavy too. You couldn't smash a, I mean, you could, but no. But also, that's not your piano. That's what I thought. I'm pretty sure, or it might be. I yeah, but I, thought, I, I was pretty sure that, yeah, like, when you go like to university, you don't bring your own grand piano. No, no, you just smashed like thousands of dollars of something that's not yours. Um, and out, hunky, hunky, furry Chris <laughs> and Jess rock up to sorority house and they take the dad and the crew off to search. Yep. They're like, we're going to go out and have a look, you know, and the cops have organized a search party. That happened real quickly. It didn't it? Yeah. That would not it's because, happen. No, what, like, I think what they're assuming here is like all these people are going to the, the cop shop and they're getting that front desk cop who was like a piece of shit. Yeah. And as soon as John Saxton came into it, being the fucking cop detective general lieutenant that he is and mm-hmm. everything, he's like, hang on, I sense something amiss here. I got to get a search party happening. And yep. a search party there. We have a big search party. It involves everyone. Yeah. It's probably so- about 30, 40 50 people, randos. A lot of the locals. Yokels are in it for some reason. There's like, you know, dudes with shotguns and shit. Anyway, the search party. It's big. They start to look around. It's nighttime, by the way. Yep. Uh, We cut to the house mother, Mrs. Mac, packing to go home for the holidays. (laughs) She's drinking suitcase booze now? Yeah, she's got suitcase sherry. (laughs) Please, please. It's not just booze. It's sherry. I'm so sorry. Suitcase sherry. Yeah. Um. She she's, hears the cat meowing, old Claude. Claude's having a meow meow and she starts and trying to Claude look for Claude cat him. never really, like, none of these scenes eventuate with it. Do anything really, do no, they? No, it really doesn't. Um, so she heads up to the attic. Because she hears the cat up in the attic, which and, would be um, fucking heaps hard for her to get up there. Oh. This, this hole is only like a foot by a foot big. Not just that, but a ladder that is like... It's only half a ladder as well. So you have to yeah. pull your body up onto the ladder. Exactly. I can't climb a ladder like that. And now she's up there looking for the cat. She sees dead Claire oh, no. in, wrapped in plastic. No. Right, she's like, oh, dead Claire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, like, the killer has this precarious... This doesn't make it. It's almost like all the kills in this movie is like how I see my horror films. You go to a location and look what's around and then you use it to kill people with. Yep. It's just, uh, like... It's just a rope with kind of a heavy hook on the end of it, but not yeah. like a sharp hook like it's going to stab her, just a hook that you'd like link something up with. 
But anyhow, he like just like you know he's holding up. He drops it, and we see it. It we don't see it hit her, but it smashes down towards her. But then we see the bottom of her legs hanging outside the door, and her legs get pulled up. Yeah, like, that makes no sense. So she yeah, but she gets hit so hard that it pulls her into the attic. <laughs> Uh, that wouldn't happen, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, the laws of it's like horror physics. And <laughs> we hear her getting killed off screen. All the screen, the kills have been off screen so far. Yeah. We hear like, you know, like, you know, and uh, this is kind of like, this was the first time I, yeah, it gives you the idea of like, oh, that kind of sounds like the crank call yes. that's happening. Yeah, so afterwards, like, this, this killer in the attic starts smashing up shit and yeah, having a he, bit of a we get the POV a shot. Moment. Killer POV of him having basically a fit. Going, Woo! Like, hearing kind of the sounds that yeah. were, like, on the phone call. So we're like, oh, yeah, cool, cool. It's definitely him calling then. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so back down at the search party, people are starting to warm themselves by the hobo fire and... <laughs> They've organised, like, 24-gallon drums yeah. like to, of, of fires for the search party. It's happened very quickly. They're very organised. And then we hear a scream. They have found the missing girl and everyone goes running. So everyone runs over. We see the mum of the missing 30-year-old girl, like, scream and cry. And we're like, obviously. And they, ne- they never show it. Like, this would have been an opportunity to show what they're seeing. Yeah. Uh, they never show it. It's an off, another off-camera thing. Yep. Mother cries. So we're like, oh, yep. So they found a body. So it's not Of clear. a girl who just got mentioned in the scene before that has no reference to the film and has no reference later either. No, not really. It's no. just like to give them more of an idea to look for something. Because yeah, like, there's something happening and they don't know what or where or when or why or who. Back to the house, uh, the phone rings and Jess runs to answer. We get crying down the phone line. It's this is the killer it's again. The killer. It's please stop me, Billy. And it's a lot of Billy. So I couldn't and hear. The, I never heard the name Billy, and I couldn't hear what really what they were. It was just all gibberish to me and like garbage, yep. garble. So I didn't know that this Billy name got like you know mentioned mentioned so Billy. often. Where she, so you uh, yeah. If you were listening, you would probably assume that the killer's name is Billy. Yeah. <laughs> which quite, I didn't know. Quite possibly. Uh, he yells and rants at them for a while, at, at, at her on the phone for a while, and then that ends that kind of thing. Yeah. Pete comes downstairs all of a sudden after the phone call. Uh, yeah, so he's like, while she's on the phone, we see this shadow walking down the stairs and we kind of, we're going to assume that it is the killer. But of course, she hangs up the phone, she calls the operator and she reports that she has been getting obscene phone calls and something needs to be done about it. And then we so see... So as this happens... We see Pete walking down the stairs, yeah. insinuating to us that he could be the killer. And I'm like, oh, it's... It's not good. Like, are you really trying to make me believe it's him Like this early in the film? Yeah, what a chode. And anyhow, that's what I wrote in my notes. They're like, that too early for it to be revealing who killers are. Yep. Unless um, it's a double, a double red herring. A green herring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he basically explains that his recital didn't go well and... For some reason, he was sleeping upstairs in a girl's sorority house. Yeah. No. <laughs> Why were you sleeping upstairs in a girl's dorm? Yeah, don't know. Like, without anyone around. Like, if you were going to do that, you just go to the dorm. No one's here. I'll, I'll, if I'm tired, I'll sleep on the couch. I'm not going upstairs to sleep in someone's room. No. Wouldn't you just go back to your own dorm? If you're going to have a sleep? I don't know. Anyway. Um, you know, back to the search party. Yep. Yeah. No, no. Jess calls the cop shop and 
basically she's trying to report because the phone company say you got to call the cops. Oh, yes, right. She calls the cops. Barney Fife is like, yeah, we're busy here. There's not much we can do about it. Yeah, that's the guy on the front desk who's, who's basically snubbing off all the... Everything. And it. then it basically turns into a conversation that Peter and Jess have about the future, where he has a plan. There's a plan. We're going to get married. He's going to quit uni. And then she just fucking comes in with her... Jess says no. Yeah, she comes in. She's like, no. Nah. I, like, I don't want to marry you. I don't want to be with like, you. Like, I have dreams of my own. I can't do that if I have a child. You know, and it, it's she's right. Like, the expectation is going to change. Yep. Pete's like, so he gets oh, fuck. So Pete, Pete, Pete's like, I'm going to give up, you know, playing piano. I'm going to give up everything. We'll be a family. She's just like, nah, man. No. And she fucking, that's a big shoot down for old uh. PD. He's like, I was the best pianist. I wanted a baby. I want it all. Why aren't I getting it? Yeah. Fuck you, Pete. He you should have like stamped his foot and had a little like, <sighs> and just walked out. Anyway, we cut back to the cop shop. Yeah. Mr. Harrington tells Saxon's Saxon on the case about the phone calls, and he is he is well and truly on the case. You know, he's like he starts. Ex- he looks at this exchange that has been given to the fucking Barney Fife, and they're all having a bit of a laugh. Because he's just like, you are as dumb as a bag of fucking bricks. Like, do you not see what's wrong with this phone number? Nah, they're all just having a laugh. Yeah. And uh, we cut back to Pete and he's giving Jess a pro-life speech. He's calling her selfish. It's a pro-life Fuck speech. You. He threatens her saying that she's not allowed to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And it just ends up with him storming out yeah, after she's... his pro-life speech. It's fucking... Nah. Like, Pete, please be the killer. So you can get smashed. Exactly, you fucking piece of shit. But so they're trying to make him. A, I don't know if they were trying to make him a bad guy. I think, or they were just, trying to show that Jess is really back in the seventy fours that she's really hard to get along with. Well, I don't know. Not I mean, that I believe that. You know what I mean? No, no, like, no. Yeah. But like, it, it is again. It comes comes back down to that omen thing where you had to, and that's around the same time as well. You had to ask your partner for permission and this kind of thing. But she's or you get put away. Yeah. But no, she's she's taking control of the situation. Anyhow, Saxton rocks up to the sorority house and puts a tap on the phone. And my God, I did, 1974 phone tapping is very archaic. Oh, they basically have to like, so there's another dude there as well to do the phone tapping. And it's like, he has to pull the whole phone apart, his old phones, put a device in there. And then like, cause you know, now I, you know, you always say, you know, when you tap a phone, like I have to keep him on the line for 30 seconds. Yeah. This film shows you why you have yeah. to have it on the line, and this must—I'm assuming this is all real because, like, they're not going to make this factory for this film. No, like. no. So, no. yeah, we'll get into that. And um, yeah, and um, Saxton uh, gets a list of everyone's contact numbers that has stayed at the uh, in the sorority house because they're supposed—you know—most of the girls now have gone home for the uh, yeah. What the Christmas break. The Christmas break. Everyone assumes that Mrs. Mack has gone home for the Christmas break. They don't realize she's been murdered. Um, so they're still at the moment, everyone only thinks Claire is missing in this film. Oh, yeah. and that there's a murdered random 13 yeah. year old girl who's never shown up on camera in the, ca- in the no. thing, which no. could have been just another murder. They could have slot into the film done by the killer yeah, uh, that's right. at well, the start before he gets to the sorority house. It would have made way more sense. And they uh, find it later yeah, a in little the search. Bit. No, I have to have this random mother and it doesn't matter. Um, I'm not here to re-edit this film. No, not this one. Not uh, this time. Um, and then Saxton leaves. Yeah. So we establish 
all this shit's happening and they're going to stake out the house. They're going to tap the phones. you got to keep them on the phone for as long as you can and they're going to—they're on the case. Yeah. And they've also... pretty good about that. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, the, the cop posted out the front. Yep. Um, we see Pete out in the cold. Like, Pete's still, like, upset. He's out there just lurking in the bushes like the killer and he watches the cops leave. Why would you? Anyway. Because uh, he's, he's heartbroken. Is he? I don't know. He's because no. he's selfish and a weird cunt. Yeah. Um, Phil is having. Um, she's a bit upset about the situation. Um, she just really thinks that Claire is dead and that her body's going to find come up somewhere, and she's just having a bit of a bit of a hard time. Um, <laughs> she's going to head up to bed and just try and sleep it off. Meanwhile, upstairs we get this POV uh, of the the killer is just rocking just back and uh, Claire back and forth. Um, you know, rocking chair. Singing some fucking nursery rhymes. Um, and then coming down the ladder. Uh-oh. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Killer opens the door and we see a set of crystals uh, and a giant fucking crystal unicorn on someone's bedside. We also had a quick... I don't know if it, I, I'm out of order here, but there's also a quick shot of the, of the cops at the cop shop explaining how they have a phone as well that they can listen in on the call. So he goes, when their phone rings, this phone will ring as well. So yeah. Saxton can lift up and listen to the calls as That's well. So right. we've got that as and well. And then simultaneously you have to lift up this phone. So you got two phones on the go because you're talking to the guy from the phone company. Um, it's great. Suddenly, Barb has an asthma attack. Yep, we hear gasping from downstairs and Jess goes running up because Jess is too up. Like, she's too wide to sleep. She's she's hanging out. Yep, Barb's having an asthma attack. She dreamed that someone was in her room. And, of course, as this is happening, Killer's heading out of the room. Yeah, he's like, ooh, shit, better get out of here. Anyhow, so like, there's all this happening, and then we hear some kid carolers carolizing mm. out the front. Jess goes, oh, forget all this shit that's happening. Let's go watch Happiness, the carolers out the front. House. I'm like, seemed pretty unsafe. Meanwhile, I'm screaming at the TV and be like, haven't you heard? Someone your age was killed. Go home. Why are you out? Fuck yeah. off. Anyway. Yeah, Barb, we see them. She watches them for way too long. Just yeah. real long shots of is her watching. Is that what you're these... meant to do? Is you're meant to just stand at your door awkwardly well, while people see Well, that's what I thought. Well, that's what I said, actually, when I was watching this. I'm like, because we don't have carols here, but like, what if you're doing something and there's not enough, you open it and there's carols there. Are you obligated just to stand there and watch the whole song? And do you give money at the end? What happens at the end of carols? Yeah, you think you're meant to give like some money. Does it money go to the something? church or the carolers? It probably goes to the carolers, unless they're caroling for a church, in which case it would which go is to exactly the, the kind of thing a church would do. Yes, go out of and sing and make money. I would just be like, no, I'm not answering my daughter carolers. I'd put up a sign, no caroling. Sorry, you no. bitch. But I'm like, yeah, I'm, I like I like the idea of it, and it seems nice. But I would like watch it for like four seconds. And go, that's nice. I don't want to watch this anymore. I just want to go see live music. I uh, I don't even go see live music anymore. I used to love bands, but now like, when I go see live music, I watch like one song and I'm like, that's what it is to end now. I just want them to play one song and go, thank you very much, ladies, everyone. That uh, was us. And I might be like, that's wicked. You and me are on the same yeah, page about be. that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. And we cut back to the killer. He's now back in Barb's room. He picks up a crystal unicorn. With the longest fucking horn, horn in ever. The, uh, crystal horn. And then whispers... Agnes, it's me, Billy. Oh, is that what he says? Yes. I know this because I watch films with subtitles because I can't hear Oh, uh, Maybe that's why. 
Yeah, I, this film really needs it because I could you you can't understand any of the the killers' yeah. rantings. That's why it. I knew what a lot of what was being said was being said was because I watch films with subtitles. And right, so then that cuts away, and now the phone rings. Yeah, and it's the killer. Mm-hmm. Jess answers it. Mm-hmm. We see the phone. Th- oh, this is great! So now we it got, so now everything's on. The killer's on the line. They've tapped the phone. We get to see the phone tap guy. He's now in a giant fucking warehouse, which is like, the only thing I can describe it is like the phone server room. Isn't yeah. that before service? This is like a switchboard room. It's all, it's all, it looks like it's fucking steampunk. Yeah, it does. There's cogs and shit. And this is a real like switchboard room. So the reason you have to keep these people on the line so long is because when the phone gets answered, somewhere in this labyrinth of all the de- the the fucking these walls of switchboards, one of them will start clicking to say that's the phone line. That yep. it is. So you have to physically run around looking through these things, finding where the clicking's coming from. Yeah. To work out, and then once if you get there, you can see what number it's coming from. Yeah. Like a physical number, and I was like. And I, I thought to myself, I wonder if America just hasn't updated that yet. <laughs> like, because they, they still say you have to keep them on the line for 30 seconds. I'm like, yeah. you shouldn't have to anymore. It should be instant. Yeah. Now with well, with all of the technology that we've got, yeah, you'd know. Maybe who... I'm just watching old films. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know about phone tapping. Can you even phone tap anymore with like VPNs and all that shit? Most cool shit's done via internet. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, if, if you can't catch like. Spam callers and fucking uh, con calls and all that shit. What, how could you even catch anyone? Mm, mm, yes. Or maybe you can catch the spam callers, like, but it just says, yeah, they're in, you know, Bangladesh. Yeah. They're in India. What are you going to do? Nothing. Run That's... over there and smash them? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Phone, Phone drops out and Saxon calls and is like, oh, we, we didn't get them. Too early. He rang Didn't it. get him. you got to keep him on the line. got to keep talking to him. I'm like, how could you keep talking to him? He doesn't respond back to you. No. How do you keep talking? You just go, tell me more. Aha. Uh-huh. Screaming. <laughs> I like it. Keep going. <laughs> tell me more. Um, at this point, Jess thinks it could be Pete is the killer now. She has decided that Pete is acting so irrationally. He's weird. He seems to be around when the killings are happening, popping out, sleeping in people's beds. Yes. Well, so... I th- and because she reckons he says the same kind. Yeah, so basically the conversation, everything that this person said to her down the phone was everything that was said in the conversation her and Pete had. So a lot of it is like, don't kill the baby, don't kill the baby. Ah, oh, see, I couldn't even hear what the guy was saying. So when Saxon talks to Jess, he's like, did you and your boyfriend have a fight? What was that all about? Yeah, she's fully keeping this shit secret from the police. Well, you you're a young girl. It's the 70s. You don't really want to admit to a complete stranger that you, you've been like knocked up knocked by a up fucking by your angry pianist, pianist boyfriend. Uh, and then and, the phone rings again. Yeah. And she picks up again. Oh, no. And she reads, and it's Pete. And because now we have John Saxton listening to this conversation. And Pete just fucking loses it and starts crying, going, don't kill the baby. Mm-hmm. Don't kill the baby. Mm-hmm. Give me, trying to make us think even more that it's probably him. Yeah. Um, at this point, I just wanted it to be him because I just wanted him to die. Yeah, exactly. He's a rubbish character. Not getting what he wants, his way, and he starts crying. Yeah. Basically. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Piece of shit. Uh, they don't get the trace on, on Pete either. But that's okay because Saxon, Saxon thinks it's Peter. He thinks it's him and he's like, he was in the house. 
you know, there's shadows in the background. He wants to have a chat with Pete. Yeah. Yeah, he basically grills Jess about being preggers as well. Goes, what? Come on, you should have told me. Fucking idiot. Anyhow, um, but then on the phone, Jess works out that it can't be Pete because he was at the house when the killer called. Mm-hmm. 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 And at this point, you're just like, I was like, I'd already worked out. It's so obvious because they mentioned real early in the film, like, is this the only phone in the house? No, there's another one in the Mrs. Mac's room. Yep. Okay. An unused line in Mrs. Mac's room. Or yeah, an unused line in Mrs. Mac's room. Why would you ever mention that? Yeah, you don't have to. I know why. Because the killer's in the house, which we know. <laughs> Spoilers. It's not a spoiler. Spoilers. It's not, because we know he's in the house <laughs> the whole time. While this is happening as well, so it's now basically just Jess and Phil downstairs. Saxon's gone, there's no one else around, and then two guys kind of Who's rock Phil? up at the house. Phil is the girl with the glasses. Oh, I called yeah. her glasses. Yeah, she's a delight. I like her. Um, and they kind of establish, like, so So these two guys rock up at the house. They've got guns, and it, they're part of the search party. You know, have you heard? Like, we're, we're looking out. Have I mean, you it, seen anything? And they basically just fuck him off real quick. But then they're like... Hey, did you realize that this door in this giant fucking house is the only door that's locked? All other doors and windows are completely unlocked. Maybe we should take care of that. Yep. Anyhow, we got to uh, we got to Saxton. He's gone to check out the recital hall. No. Oh. Where Pete had a fit on the piano. I don't think he even finds this trash piano. Which he does. Because he, he, he goes there looking for Pete and he finds nothing but a trashed piano, which further indicates that Pete could be the killer. Yeah, I know. He's, he's happy to destroy public property. He's killed a piano. No. Nah. What's next? Yeah. What's, you know, it's a gateway drug killing pianos to next, killing people. Cellos, you know, people. Um, and now the killer calls the sorority house again. Uh... They're trying again to trace the call. But, like, yeah, like, Jess isn't really doing anything to keep this person on the line. She's not trying well, this, to this create call, a conversation. This call just sounds like it was just, like, him killing someone. Yeah. So we're, are, are we led to believe that this was the sound of him killing Mrs. Mac? Or It, it was him or killing Phil. Phil? Because they separate to lock down the house and Phil disappears. Yeah, so, so. Phil is now dead yeah. on the phone dead on the phone so the, i'm i'm assuming but, that's what the call is is like him killing but Bill. they also i wrote at this point in my notes they are if he is if he is doing this from inside the house which he is mm-hmm. and that she's in a house by herself completely quiet you'd be able to hear them kill it you'd be able to hear all these murders happening would you though because it's yeah. it is like it's a big house there's like three stories to this house by the looks but of these it. are people screaming that and is getting true killed. like she did hear some asthma attack gusts from downstairs. I don't know. And our server guy, he runs down through the server room and he gets the trace. He gets the call. He nice. Went, I, uh, Saxton, I, he looked, and so Saxton is now out and about. Yeah. He's like coming out of the recital hall. He gets in his uh, pop cop car. He's on the radio and he's like, he goes, we got the trace. Oh, yeah, what's the number? He reads out the number. He goes, that can't be right. That's. That's the number of the sorority house. Yeah. Oh my God! The killer is inside the house. So the call is coming from inside the house, which is that massive trope. Exactly. Like, and this is probably the first time it ever got done. But like they they've made it obvious. It could, would have been great if they hadn't. If we thought it was all getting killed off. Yeah. But what 
what they do. So rather than Saxon being Saxon, he puts Barney Fife in charge. So he calls up, he like radios into dispatch. He's like, hey, you need to call this house right now. You need to tell her. This is the dumb cop on the yeah. death. It keeps He's on- like, you need to tell, like the call is coming from inside the house. You need to tell her to just walk out the front door. Do not say anything. Do not say no, no, he's her. Like, he's, like, he's like, call her, tell her to put down the receiver and walk out the front door. Yeah. I, and I was like, uh, all right, that seems good So enough. then the phone rings again. Jess answers and he's just like, hey, you just just do what I say. And he basically... He goes, because he goes, the know, Saxon says to her, don't say that the killer's in the house. Just yeah. tell her to get out. And he does that. He like, for, he does, he, he does, goes, just put down the receiver. Listen to me. Do not question what I say. Yeah. Put down the receiver. Walk out the front door. She's like, yeah. why? Why? Well, I don't want to. I where, should where? go get Bob. No, don't get Bob. Put down the phone, walk out the front door. But no, put down yeah. the phone, walk out the front this is door. Actually, yeah, and then he just has to basically say, look, the killer's in the fucking house. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And, of course, she does the, the trope that they mention in Scream, the exact line, like, it, you know, every uh, when you should be running out the front door, you're running up the stairs. She decides to just go up the stairs instead of doing the one thing that would have saved that's Every- right. Well, the one thing that would have saved her because everyone else is dead. So rather than going out, she goes upstairs because she's going to go get... She has a get- fire poker though. Yes, yeah, she does. She's going to go get Barb. She's going to get Phil. And she has a pieces moment where she's just like, Phil, please, please, Phil, please. <laughs> she's just like calling out and I'm like, ha, bastard. <laughs> so good. She busts into Barb's room and she finds Barb and Phil dead on the bed. Two corpses. No. And this bit's great as well because then we get like, she's there and then we get this like whispering sound and she turns and in the slight crack of the door, you see this this eye just looking at her. And like, that's terrifying. Yeah. And she, but she kicks into action Pure she final slams girl. the door. She slams the door on him and just and he goes yells in running. agony. He might, maybe there was a hook on that door or something, but maybe. like he he really get. Or maybe he just I I thought he might have had one of his fits that he had before because it didn't go his way and it was yeah. supposed to, and it's supposed to like show that he's like Pete oh, having fits. Maybe, anyway. but again, instead of going out the front door, she runs down into the basement. No, no, she runs down the front door, but the front door is locked, and I'm like. You're inside. It's the front door's broken, though, because they mention it a few times that there's like, oh, this door's dicky. We should really get that oh, looked really? at. So, yeah, I didn't get that. I don't know. Anyhow, the killer runs at Jess, uh, and then, but they have a kind of a tussle, you know, a, a run around uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And Jess locks herself in the basement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get away. Uh, we, we, we see Saxton. He's speeding to the scene in his cop car. Woo, woo, woo. Saxton. Go, Saxton. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, he's, he's on the way. He's on the way. Uh, and then we see, like, so she's hiding in the basement, tent scenes, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, so the front door opens and closes, so we presume that the killer has now left the but house. But the killer can just easily open the front door and close it, but she yeah. can't? No, I don't know. We hear, and we see the killer, we see, because uh, it's one of those basements that has, like, the, the small windows around the top, bottom, yep. you see. We see legs walking around outside. And we then get the silhouette of the hands on the glass and everything. And it looks like it's really cool. It's then, suitably creepy. Yeah, we see uh, it get the, one of the windows gets kicked in and we see that it's Pete. And I'm like, Pete. even if at this point, right, are you ready? If it's not him or if it is him, 
if it's not him, why would he have kicked that window in? He would just been looking at a house. He wouldn't know where anyone yeah, is, no. isn't it? No, that's true. Right, I was like, and I was right at this thing. Are we still supposed to think it's him, I wrote at this point? <laughs> she clearly does because she hides from him. And we get a lot of, like, him, like, she's clearly hiding and he's like, Jess? Jess, is that you? Jess? And we, then... We, we see... And then we see Saxton rock up in his police car. He gets out and we hear a screaming. Ah, fuck. Yeah. They oh, it's, it's, it's a girl. It's Jess screaming, by the way. <laughs> it's not Pete. Yeah. Could have been. Should have been. Uh, and uh, Saxton heads. You see him running uh, with a bunch of cops. He runs. He heads down to the basement and we get a shot of dead Pete and dead Jess on the laying together. Yeah. And then you're like, nope, she's alive. It didn't. It did, really didn't give you enough time to take that in. No. Like, we're supposed to assume that they're both dead. Yeah. And like, uh, and, but then, nope. She's nope. just tired from murdering she someone. Did, she had just, like, she had murdered, she had murdered Pete and then went, yeah, tired. Need mm-hmm. to have a snooze with him on me. He's warm. He's like a blanket. Yeah. And then she must have woken up because all his, like, body heat drained out of him. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Uh, she's alive. Mm-hmm. Then we cut to Jess up in bed, basically. Like, she's been put to bed back yep. in the... We have the cops around her. We have. So they haven't do- taken her to hospital. No, they've, they've kept her in a bed. They just put her in a bed. They're talking. They're like, you know, there's a doctor there. She's out for at least the next four hours. You can't question her. And as this happens, like a bunch of reporters rock up, and Claire's dad, who was in the room, starts to have a panic attack or whatever. Yeah, because he they suddenly out. they suddenly realize that Claire's dad's just casually in the room, and they're like, oh, hang on, if he was there, they would have found. No, because right, I at this point, right? You assume they have found the bodies mm-hmm. because, like, if you were, you know, if you were a cop, yes, and you worked out that the killer was calling from inside the, the house, and then the killer got tried to kill this girl, and she got him, you'd be like, okay, clearly, if he's been inside the house the whole time, there's probably the yes. bodies are here. So there is. So they never searched. The no. house. Well, that's they find I, Phil and fucking Barb's body. I literally have that in my notes. Is like, why wouldn't you search the entire house? Like, and the if, manhole cover to the attic is always open. It's yes. like obvious that you can like someone could be up there. It's yeah. not like it's covered or anything. It's an open manhole. Like you would search that house for top to bottom because if this guy got into the house, how did he get into the house? He wouldn't have just walked through the front door. Where was he hiding but in the how house? These scenes, Has he been in the house? How these scenes are shot and how long they're going, and it's clear it's clear that the film's not over. Yeah. Because you're just like, yeah, saying that, yeah, yeah. Claire's father faints from shock. Even though he hasn't found his daughter, he just decides to faint. So we just need, he just, we just don't want him in the film at the moment. But then they decide to take him to the hospital. They don't take Jess to the hospital. They take him to the hospital and they basically leave her alone. Yeah, they're like, well. In the room. Everything's done here. Let's leave. Everyone. Like, we don't have to tell you. Yep, she's fine. Uh, and then we get this long shot. Uh, like going through the house, looking mm-hmm. in every bedroom. It's like, and you're like, clearly it's not the end. Clearly it wasn't Pete because why are these shots in the film? Mm-hmm. Uh, we look into Barb's room and there's the big blood stain on the mattress and then go into Claire's room. We hear this echoed this laughing. one shot, like a dolly. Yeah, this like, is real nice. One shot, echoed laughing, panning up the attic ladder, you know, and then we hear creaking. And the killer is still up there. Yeah, and uh, and it shows that the bodies are still in the attic. And I was like, oh my god, they didn't look. No, they uh, didn't look. 
the killer is up there. He's still there. He's ranting. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I'm a crazy person because this is how crazy people are. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a wide shot of the sorority house. Mm-hmm. We hear the phone ring. Mm-hmm. Credits. The end. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, at this point, I didn't realize that this film didn't know that you had to maybe reveal who the killer was. No, they were I, trying something new. Oh, so that's it. That's the end. You never find out who he is or no. what he did. And he got away and everyone is useless in this film. And yeah. you, got, you can only assume that he just walks downstairs and kills the main character now. Yeah. Because no one's in the house. Yeah. And. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Final thoughts. My, I wrote my, my Christmas scream. <laughs> Xmas yep. scream. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, like I say, this is a very important film in the evolution of the, sh- the, the slasher genre. You know, it, it is slow moving. The pacing is very slow. But a lot of films, uh, 60s and 70s, have that sort of 40, slow... 45 minutes of the film was just them tapping a phone. Yeah. Like, and just yeah. running back and forward. Three calls, three twice, they fail. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is just Scream. Yeah. Like, Scream just took every part of this. The phone calls, killers inside the house... Like, uh, you know, I actually thought there was going to be two killers in the end. Like, I was like, could they have just taken that as well? Like, could have been, could have been. Um, it, the continuity in it is great as well. Um, there was a couple of sequences, especially one with Mrs. Mack, where she is, um, she's about to go out, uh, get a ride with Mr. Harrison, and she's putting on her lipstick, and she hears Claude. And meanwhile, she's done half her face of lipstick. Mm. And then she goes off looking for Claude, and every time she you see her again in a different sequence in a different room, her lipstick is still half on, half on her face. Even when she comes back to the house from being out, it's still the same. So little pieces like that just sort of, you know, make me happy. Um, we, of course, get minimal on-screen deaths. Uh, we have no deaths have on no screen. We have no deaths on screen. We get, like... The, the Barb death was probably the, the most on-screen death you got. Yeah, it's kind of like you just see kind of the step. We, did we skip that? I don't think we talked about Barb dying. Barb dies, guys. <laughs> she gets stabbed by the unicorn, crystal unicorn. I must have skipped that and gone over it. Yeah. Yeah, we must Whoops. have. Whoops. Well, no, we talked about it because we, we talked about the unicorn horn. Yeah, the big unicorn horn. Yeah, and then she dies in that scene. Sorry, yeah. we, we forgot to mention that. Barb dies. Yeah, but yeah, but like it, as I said, this, this created... Many tropes that are now in all the slasher films. Yeah. You know, I mean, we don't get a resolve. The killer is still out there. The body's still in the attic, which, you know, if you start thinking about it, it's like, okay, how long is it going to take for them to scour the house, find those bodies? Like, they could be up there for months. It's true. No, you'd smell it. Yeah. Um, I looked at because I got to the end and I was like, I didn't, I didn't catch the name of the killer being Billy the whole time. And there was no answer. I looked this up. On Wiki, and yeah, found out the killer's name was Billy. Then and there's a couple of films later on where it's a bit more obvious, and the murders were based on real life murders that were done in like uh, Montreal. Mm. And I'm like, we're always weird to base like a slasher film around real murders that happened up there. And the filmmakers said they left it secret uh, to who the killer was, so the viewers could make up their own fears and conclusions. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but if you don't know who he is at all, you, can, you don't bother making anything up. Yeah, because well, I mean, you you do you, do you really want to go down the path of um like it was someone out for revenge, or do you want to stick with there is no reason this person 
There is no like they are just there. But like you are in the wrong like, place. At but the like, time. but it was like a Cluedo film that you never and it never gave you the answer. It was all about who was it. Yeah. Who did it? And you worked out who it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't Pete. No. So then Jess is just a murderer. Yes. So yes, the mur- the real murderer was Jess. Ah, so there you go. It was her the whole time. Uh, Saxton was great as usual. Of course. He's just wicked at being he's, a cop. Like a yeah. cop that's like, he's tough and he goes by the books, mm-hmm. but he's also caring and concerning. Yeah. I would have liked a buddy cop film with him and Tom Atkins. Oh, wow. That's it'll, too much. It'll never happen now, but... It will end the world it if would. that happens. It would. But but the police must have been fucking idiots not to search the house. Like, come on, dickheads. Do your job. I mean, but it looked great. Like, you know, it was, it was filmed a nice film, as all 70s films are. They always mm-hmm. look good. There's no such thing as in the 70s, I felt like, that has, like... Like B, B or C grade horror film. You yep. just had to use film. Yes. And it looked good. And if you had a good, you know, the cameraman just used it and it worked. And if it didn't work, you just couldn't use the footage. You know what I mean? So yep. all the footage is just nice. What'd you give it? Um, so I gave this a C. It is a classic that's worth yeah, a watch. Well, I gave it a classic worth a watch, but I also wrote, but I won't watch it again. No? Nah, fuck okay. no. Fuck no. I might watch it again in a year or two. I don't know. Maybe at Christmas. Yeah, it's better Christmas films to watch. Horrors. Yep. Krampus. Krampus. Fucking. Something. Actually, there's not. There's just better Christmas films. Christmas well, horrors are pretty shit. there's that new Christmas horror uh, that's yeah, just I, come out that I really want to go see. I really want to watch that with fucking the Stranger Things detective, yeah. man. It looks funny. It's full of puns. That, for me, is just like... Well, to me, it looked like a violent Home Alone. Yeah. Where Father Christmas is smashing up some cunts. I'm all for that. I just want him to have super like powers as well because he does yeah. in this. You see him like warp in and stuff, and I would like to think that yeah, it's just going to be like a hilarious death scenes. Yeah, hopefully, I hope it is a uh, real violent. It looked violent. The trailer looked violent. Well, yeah, like that. Is it rated R? I don't know what it's rated, but yeah. Is it called? Uh. Yeah, I forgot. I don't even remember. It's like Deadly Night or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, it is Deadly Night. No. Yes. Maybe, like, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so what are we going to watch next? We've got one more spoiler cast for the year. Well, it we've done a Christmas one. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I mean, we were going to do Fright Night, but we cancelled it. Yeah, because I wanted to do a Christmas one. Yeah, but I want to watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space because I've never seen it. I don't okay. Think. Next it episode. It seems Christmassy. They're like, clowns are Christmassy, aren't they? Sure. <laughs> I hope it's short. <laughs> You think so. Yeah. Are you going to do your housekeeping? Yes. Except I've not put any names in again. I did. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, there's so many names. Great. I love it. Uh, So, well, that's it. Before we sign off, we just want to take a moment to thank our listeners for interacting with us in one way or another over the past fortnight. Um, People like, how do you pronounce that? Sayasuli. Sayasuli. Thank you. Chad Habel. Robert Thomas, Adam Gillespie, Netherness, uh, Tsunami Hija, uh, Dion Cracknell, Dave Kudruff, Emma Duran, Patrick Roberts, and Adam Kister. Thank you very much. You guys for are awesome. Doing the talking to us. Exactly. We love you. You help us out. You, we got that like weird, you know, thing that everyone's been getting. Yes, the Spotify yearly stats, and mm-hmm. our stats are okay this year. Yeah, we're pretty happy. Is that we want- only started like thirty 
episodes ago on. Yep. Oh, no. Yeah, that's on, right. Uh, we moved over to Anchor. Did. I would like to see in the new year some more lady viewers, we listeners. We don't really have a huge percentage of ladies. So if you're out there and you've got a penis, but you've got a friend that's got a vagina, yep. tell them to listen to us. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, you've been listening to Terrorvision Horror Podcast with Dan and Jennifer. We are available on all major podcasting services, so please make sure to like and subscribe, leave a comment, share with all your friends, and you can interact with us on Facebook and Instagram at Terrorvision Pod. It'll keep you up to date with upcoming episodes. And until next time, may all your dreams be Christmas mares. Nightmare. Didn't work. Yeah.